0: Shalom and welcome to Parasha Highlights and Insights. This is Rabbi Avram Fisher. This week's Parasha for uh, those of us who live in Israel is Parashat Beha'alotcha. Uh, as I've said before, uh, outside of Israel, uh, there will the communities outside of, of Israel will be one Parasha behind uh, Israel, but eventually uh, everybody will catch up. But for right now, we're talking about Parashat BeHalotcha which is, in the uh, book of B'midbar, a, a transitional uh, parasha. Uh, in a general sense, it shows the transition uh, from the life of B'nai Israel when they are encamped near Harsinai, uh, and the next phase, which is moving towards the land of Israel, uh, which will have a Different kind of uh, existence, uh, but as we will see, there are problems along the way. Uh, I'd like to divide the parasha up into, let's say, ten sections. Uh, the first sections, remember, all have to do with uh, getting ready for the tra- for the traveling. But right now, uh, we're still encamped uh, at the foot of Har uh, Sinai. First section of the parasha. Uh, talks about the menorah, lighting the menorah, and we're told here something we've been told before about the uh, about kohen uh, lighting the menorah every day uh, and uh, the structure of the menorah. But something that's emphasized here that wasn't mentioned uh, before is that the uh, the six lights, three on each side, uh, face towards the central lamp, uh, which is uh, which is. Uh, a special way in which these lights are set up. But that's the first part of the parasha, the menorah. And in a sense, it uh, concludes last week's parasha, uh, talking about the gifts that were given by the uh, heads of each of the tribes. Uh, And uh, here we're talking about the uh, ongoing donation, if you will, of the uh, Kohen of Aharon. The next section of the parasha uh talks about the Levim. Now we've talked about the Levim before, but here uh the focus is on uh how the Leviim are uh to be prepared uh for their for their service. Uh the first part of the preparation uh is they have to be purified using the ashes of the red heifer, which we learn more about later on, uh but it's to purify them in case they've been in contact with the dead. Uh, Shaving the entire body, an offering of two bulls, one as a chatatzin offering and one as an olah, a burnt offering. Then there is a laying of the hands, and that's the uh, Aharon uh, authorizing them and giving them the uh, the status of uh, levine to be uh, aiding the Kohanim. And uh, there's also uh, waving, each one of the the levine is waved. And then we are told that the Leviim serve. Uh, we're reminded that the Levim are in place of the firstborn, who were originally going to be those who would serve in the, in the sanctuary, but now the Levim will do that. And we're told that uh, they do this service from the age of 25 to 50. Now, this is special rules of the wilderness. Um, we were told in the past uh, that they're counted from the age of 30, but from the age of 25 until 30, they're in training. The next uh, section of the parasha talks about the one and only time uh, in the Midbar, in the wilderness, that B'nai Yisrael uh, did the Pesach sacrifice. Uh, There are a few explanations for this, uh, but one point to make is that uh, in uh, in Egypt they were told uh, that they would only begin observing the Pesach sacrifice once they would enter the land. And so uh, they weren't meant to uh, offer the korban pesach at all in the wilderness. So this is a special instruction, a special mitzvah for that time to offer the uh, the korban pesach in the wilderness. As it will turn out, the other years that they will be in the in the wilderness, uh, they will not offer the korban pesach. There are more parts of that explanation, but that's the uh, that's the basic idea. So. Hashem tells Moshe to tell Bnei Yisrael that on the 14th of the first month, that's the month we call nissan in the second year, essentially the first year anniversary of the Exodus, they are to bring the Korban Pesach. However, uh, there were some men who were tameh because of contact with the dead, and they make the argument, why should we be excluded from this uh, Korban that everybody else is going to be bringing? And Moshe says, uh, wait for Hashem's answer. And it's in this context that uh, B'nai Yisrael taught about the rule, the mitzvah of Pesach Shemi. And that is uh, that someone who is Tamei at the time of Pesach, or a distance away from where the offering is to, is to be brought, then, and, and he cannot bring it on the 14th of the first month, so he has an opportunity to bring it on the 14th of the second month, the month that we call Iyar. Uh, all of the rules that apply directly to the Pesach sacrifice apply to Pesach Sheni. Uh, there are some rules that don't, don't apply directly to the Garbant Pesach. So, for example, uh, Pesach Rishon, a person may not be in uh, possession of chametz. Uh Pesach Sheni, although it is eaten with Matzah exclusively, one can own chametz during that time. So that's one of the differences, but that's not about the Korban itself, uh, and we are reminded that someone who had the opportunity and the ability to bring the korban Pesach and did not do so gets the uh, punishment of karet. The next uh, section of the parasha is really uh, getting ready to uh, to travel, to travel in the wilderness because they are going to travel from Sinai, from Sinai, uh, on the way to Eretz Yisrael. Uh, we're reminded that the Mishkan is covered by a, a cloud during the day and a fire by night, and the cloud of Hashem will show when and where to travel. The cloud will move, and that will be the signal to everyone to uh, begin uh, to give, begin moving to dismantle the Mishkan. That's the responsibility of the Levim, and uh, the rest of Bene Israel will strike their camps and uh, and move on uh with the with the Mishkan but Hashem says to uh, Moshe uh, that he is to make for himself he is to fashion for himself two silver trumpets uh, and these are to be the special property of Moshe uh, and they will be used uh, for signaling first for assembly of the camp of the leaders of the camp and also they will be for traveling uh, first the east and then the south the Kohanim will be the ones to blow the trumpets and another purpose is to sound the trumpets at the time of war so as to be remembered before Hashem Uh, and that means uh, in a broader sense that when there is trouble uh, the trumpets remind us to uh, cry out to Hashem in prayer Uh, and uh, there are many other uh, rabbinic rules that are based on this basic idea uh, and also, uh, the trumpets are to be blown on festive occasions, uh, on various uh, festivals. The next section of the parasha tells us that B'nai Israel actually began to travel. Uh, on the 20th day of the second month, the month of Iyar, which is in the second year, uh, they begin to travel and that is, that all of the tribes, in order, led by their leaders, travel. The Mishkan is dismantled and carried by the levim As they travel, um, or as they begin to travel, uh, Moshe, uh, Moshe's father-in-law, uh, here called Chovav, elsewhere called Yitzro, but here he's called Chovav, um, is approached by Moshe. and Moshe says, uh, continue with us, we're traveling, go with us. But Chovav says, no, I will return to my people. And as uh, Chazal tells us, he goes back in order to, uh, in order to convince the rest of his people to, uh, accept the belief in one God. Uh, doesn't mean that they're going to convert to become Jews, but they are going to be what we would call Barotheists, Mene Noach. Uh, as they travel, uh, we are told, here's the next section of the parasha, the Aaron, uh, is carried a distance of three days' journey ahead. Because I'll talk about how the uh, Aaron, which contains the Shnei Luchot tablets, two tablets, uh, uh, flattens uh, mountains and raises valleys so that they can proceed. Uh, but also we are told about the prayers that Moshe said uh, when the uh, when the Aaron would move and when it would uh, it, when it would rest. And this uh, special section, uh, these two verses, are placed between inverted uh, letters NUN, which kind of sets these two verses uh, out, uh, sets them off, and uh, shows them as being distinct. And in a sense, they show that uh, this is a passage unto itself. And uh, more to the point, this is a transition point, because once they begin to travel uh traveling toward actually travel towards uh Israel, we have certain expectations. Unfortunately, uh those expectations are uh, are not realized as they should. there's the very next thing that we have, uh the ninth section of this parasha if you're keeping track, uh is about the various complaints of B'nai Israel. As they begin to travel, uh they express their complaints. Uh they have some general complaints and uh, Hashem uh, creates a fire, which shows Hashem's anger, and therefore they call this place Tavera, which means burning. Uh, then they express a, uh, a craving for meat, um, and uh, this this craving starts with the mixed multi- multitude, people who were not part of B'nai Israel, uh, who came out of Egypt with them. Uh, but then it's uh, this craving, this complaining uh is contagious and the israelites themselves uh, complain as well and moshe complains that it's difficult for him to lead the people on his own and so hashem responds to uh to these various events first to moshe he says that you should gather 70 elders they will receive the spirit of prophecy and they will uh they will uh help you lead the people, but it's also the basis of the highest court, or what we call in later history, we call the Sanhedrin, the Supreme Court, uh, which, simple way of understanding it, it's as Moshe is the head of 70 elders, so the Sanhedrin is 71. But at this point, uh, Hashem is telling Moshe to gather 70 elders who will receive the spirit of prophecy, The wor- the uh, response to the people is prepare yourselves to receive meat uh, which you will, you will receive for a month. And Moshe expresses amazement that there will be enough to, uh, to satisfy them. And uh, so Hashem says, Well, now you will see what I will do. And he provides B'nai Yisrael with meat in the form of uh, a bird called slav, in English it's, called, it's a quail. Uh, and uh, he says, He will provide that. Uh, Hashem also, uh, sees that Moshe selects 70 elders, uh, and two, uh, people who were, uh, considered for, uh, for this position, uh, and declined, Eldad and Medad, they did not go along to receive the spirit of Nevoah. They were still in the camp and, uh, they received Nevoah anyway even though they decline the offer. And Yehoshua is very upset because they're beginning to speak prophecy and Yehoshua thinks that uh, things are getting out of control. And he says uh, uh, to Moshe, uh, he uses the word kila'em, which can be interpreted as stop them, imprison them, destroy them. Um, They have to be stopped in some sense. And Moshe uh, disagrees. He says, you jealous for my sake? I would be very happy if uh, all of B'nai Israel would be uh, prophets. then then Hashem does provide the quail, but the people uh, pounce on it so ravenously uh, and uh, Hashem uh, punishes them uh, by making many of them die and uh, this uh, place is uh, known as Kivrot HaTa'ava the uh, graves of of desire Uh, they desired uh, a great deal of of meat and uh, uh, many people, many uh, people, fell uh, at this moment. And then after this, B'nai Yisrael resumed their, their travels, and they traveled to the next place, which is called Chatzerot. Uh, in the end of the parasha, uh, the last section of the parasha, uh, we find that the troubles among B'nai Yisrael, uh, let's say the uh, lack of following Moshe's leadership, uh, even affects uh, his own his own siblings, uh, where we find that Miriam and Aharon are speaking against Moshe in private. Um, they have a criticism of Moshe's marriage, uh, uh, and in the course of things, uh, they say that Hashem speaks to us as well. Uh, why is Moshe behaving differently? And Hashem punishes Miriam and Aharon. Uh, he says that they are to go out, uh, and uh, they, Hashem reprimands them and says that Moshe is unique among prophets. Uh, and this is, a, uh, this is an idea that we carry into the future, that there are different levels of prophets, uh, however Moshe's prophecy is uh, qualitatively different. Uh, and uh, when the, uh, the cloud departs, uh, it shows that Miriam has tzara'at, And so Aharon pleads uh, for a cure, and Moshe prays, and then Hashem says that uh, Miriam is to remain outside of the camp for seven days. Uh, She's been uh, shamed, uh, and the people uh, wait for her in general gratitude for all that uh, Miriam has done for them uh, throughout the the years. And so they wait, and then eventually uh, they travel uh, and the next place where they encamp is in the wilderness of Paran. And that brings us to the end of Parashat Baalot As I said, it's a parasha, uh, that uh, deals in a very large measure with this transition from the uh, idyllic existence at, uh, at the foot of Mount Sinai. But that was uh, when they were in uh, training. Uh, they were just learning. Uh, but now they're beginning to lead the uh, more natural life, uh, and they have to deal with, uh, with those changes. Uh, let's go back to the, uh, to the section that talked about uh, Pesach Shemi, uh, where Hashem tells B'nai Israel, tells Moshe to tell B'nai Israel to offer the Korban Pesach, and uh, there's a long discussion in the Ramban, uh, which I've included in the outline, uh, about why is it that there is this uh, unique offering of the Korban Pesach in uh, the wilderness. Um, for one thing, the Ramban says that we can see from this passage that, uh, that there are many times that the Torah uh, talks about events not necessarily in chronological order. And this is a very, very clear example of that uh, because uh, we're told about observing the uh, Pesach uh, in the first month, which is when Pesach is offered. Uh, however, uh, in the very beginning of Sefer Bamidbar, uh, we're told that the census is taken on the beginning of the second month. Uh, so that's clearly out of order, that that which is written at the beginning of Sefer Bamidbar uh, occurred chronologically after that, which is recorded here in uh, in this part of uh, Bamidbar. The Ramban says, from here we see um, the principle of Chazal that Ein Torah, The Torah is not necessarily in chronological order. By the way, uh, the Ramban, uh, the Shita, the position of the Ramban is that this uh, idea is invoked uh only when there seems to be no other choice uh but if it's uh, possible to read the events in the uh, torah in chronological order uh we assume that that is the case uh, rashi has a slightly, somewhat different approach he invokes in Muhammad um muhab um, torah in muqdam um muhab torah rashi, rashi invokes that far more frequently then the ramban gets to the issue of um, of what is happening here. And the Ramban says we're now focusing on uh, everything that was given to B'nai Israel in the wilderness um, uh, and he recaps the the, the use of the, the uh, Mishkan, the setting up of the camp, the traveling because they're going to begin to make that, uh, that transition. Um, as for the Korban Pesach uh, and I mentioned this before but let's elaborate Uh, that uh, when Bnei Yisrael were in uh, Egypt, they were told that the Korban Pesach would be offered, of course, in Egypt. That was a special uh, one-time occurrence. And then, when they would enter the land, from the time that they would enter the land, it would become a permanent mitzvah. Uh, So this uh, commandment to observe Pesach in the wilderness is unique. Uh, And uh, they were... They were commanded only this one to, one time to do so, um, uh, and by the way, we're also told uh, that uh, when they want, uh, traveled in the desert, the uh, main reason why they didn't offer the Korban Pesach during the other thirty nine years that they were in the desert is uh, because uh, those who were those who were born in the desert. Uh, were not circumcised, and the reason why they weren't circumcised is because of the possibility of traveling at any time, uh, and uh, it would be unhealthy for the baby. So, uh, any one who was born during those forty years was not circumcised, and the rule is that somebody who's not circumcised may not uh, bring the korban uh, pesach. Uh, so, aside from this first year, it was not uh, it was not offered. This is a in the desert. This one time is a, a special uh, special occurrence, and um, and it's uh, it's really kind of a shame that because of the sin of the spies, which is what we'll learn about next time, next week, um, they went through many years of uh, being in the wilderness and not offering the korban pesach at all. But in the context of this, what we might call pesach ba midbar. Uh, we are given the additional mitzvot of, uh, Pesach Sheini. The Ramban points out that although there is a Pesach Sheini, there isn't a Chag Hamatzot Sheini. In other words, Pesach refers, certainly the way the Torah uses the word, Pesach refers exclusively to the bringing of the Korban Pesach. And that's done, uh, on the 14th of the day of, uh, Nisan, the first month. Offered during that afternoon, then it's roasted and eaten that night, uh, which is the be- that night is the beginning of the seven day festival, which the Torah calls Chag Hamatzot. So uh, the opportunity to bring uh, Korban Pesach again—that's Pesach Sheni. So it's the fourteenth day of the second month. Um, but there is no repeat of Chag Hamatzot. There's only repeat of Pesach. This is a little bit confusing for us because we've come to use the word uh, Pesach and the term Chag HaMatzot as interchangeable, uh, as synonyms. But the truth is, if you look closely at the Torah, Pesach refers, as I said, to the day when the Korban Pesach is offered and roasted and eaten that night before uh, uh, during the course of the night. Uh, whereas Chag HaMatzot is the seven-day festival which starts on the 15th day of Nisan. And goes for seven days, uh, which means, by the way, that uh, the night of the Seder is the overlap time between uh, Pesach and Chag Hamatzot. Uh, the uh, The Ramban's uh, the Ramban's comments are really uh, worth reading and, and studying carefully, uh, so that you understand how he understands this uh, this whole section about uh, Korban Pesach as well as Pesach Bamidbar and Pesach Sheni. I thank you very much for joining me uh, for this uh, analysis of Parashat Beha'alotacha. This has been Rabbi Avraham Fisher for Parasha Highlights and Insights saying Shalom.